Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I'm your host, Bill Cates, creator of the Cates Academy for Relationship Marketing. In each episode, I interview one of our industry's top performers, getting them to pass on their secrets to success to you, so that you can impact more lives and generate more income. Now, on to the show. Welcome, welcome. Before we get going, I want to let you know about some free resources that I invite you to retrieve after you've listened to today's interview. You'll find checklists, guides, videos, and other tools. Simply go to referralcoach.com forward slash resources. Now write this down unless you're driving. That's referralcoach.com forward slash resources. And also in the show notes. While you're there, make sure you sign up for our weekly tips. We're always sharing best practices and we'll notify you of the newest podcast interviews as they go live. And while these are free to you, I think you'll find them quite valuable. And now on with today's show. When you hear the words client journey, what comes to mind? To me, a client journey refers to the complete experience that a client goes through when interacting with you. I conceive of the client journey in three unequal parts. The first part I've labeled the prospect experience. The client journey actually begins before your prospect becomes your client. The very beginning could be when you hear about them from a friend. What does their friend say about you that might spark their interest? Then, still as a prospect, they check you out on your website or LinkedIn profile. What impressions are formed from that experience? To my mind, the client journey often begins even before you know about it. This part of the journey, the prospect experience, continues up until they make the decision to become a client. The second part of the client journey is the onboarding experience. I see this as the first 60 to 90 days of the new relationship. This is a critical time in the journey where you have the chance to validate your new client's decision to work with you. This part of the journey is often overlooked or at least not fully maximized. And the third part of the journey is, of course, the ongoing relationship. And that's a bit of what I have to say on the topic, but you're listening today because you want to hear what my featured guest has to say about this, right? Kali Fedosinku is the founder of the Kali Collective, a firm specializing in marketing for financial services industry. I like this statement on her website. She says, our marketing services aren't designed to be a lead machine. They're designed to build intentional relationships with your target audience to trust, expertise, an emotional connection. I really like that perspective. As a former digital marketing coach for the FPA and previously licensed with a Series 7 and a 63 and working with financial advisors for over 10 years, Callie has a unique understanding of financial advisors, their businesses, and their objectives. Callie Fedosinko, hailing from Nashville, Tennessee, welcome to Top Advisor Podcast. Howdy, as we say in Nashville. <laughs> That's good. How do howdy, y'all. How do y'all? You should have a guitar and a cowgirl hat on, I guess. Uh, <laughs> or is it a cowboy hat or is it a cow person? I don't know how that goes. Yeah. Callie, before we dig into your perspectives on the client journey, as we were preparing for today's show, I learned that you've been profoundly impacted by the financial planning industry. This is why you're so passionate about the difference advisors make for their clients. Tell us a little more about that. How were you impacted? And how and why did that lead to you dedicating yourself and your business to this industry? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so a little background. I graduated from college and I thought that I was going to be making CD covers. <laughs> so 
<laughs> CD covers. Okay. CD covers. And we all know how uh, popular CDs are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that did not pan out. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of events happened that led me into the financial industry. Uh, and that was surprising for multiple reasons. One, you know, I thought I was going to be doing stuff in the music industry. Um, but also coming from my background, Uh, So before I was born, my parents were missionaries. They moved back to the States. My mom was a school teacher. My dad opened a pet shop. Uh, You could say money was pretty tight. Uh, Not to suggest I was in poverty by any means. I wasn't. But we lived with a scarcity mindset. Um, I was always concerned of, is there enough money to pay the bills? Even as a child, I didn't want to ask for things. Um, I started working at a young age. Uh, so I was rather surprised when I got that job in financial planning. Uh, but it was truly turned out to be a gift because while I was there, I was able to learn a lot of things, um, things that uh, my parents just had weren't equipped to teach me growing up uh, and seeing that difference that it made in my life and in even my mother's life. Uh, you know, she thought that she was going to have to work until she died. And as recently as two years ago, she's like, hey, I'm going to be able to retire now, you know, using financial planning. This is amazing. Uh, so just seeing how that affects people uh, really makes me want to help advisors help other people. Gotcha. And, and you know, I think you're not alone in that perspective of our parents don't often teach us. Uh, and it's from two, two levels, right? One is it could be a scarcity mindset. I know my parents grew up in the, in the depression. So that affected their perspective around money. Uh, my father didn't really know about compounding interest and how important that was. And so while I wasn't poor, we could have certainly done a lot better. Uh, so it's, we watched their behavior. We learned their beliefs and, if we don't get shown another perspective, then we get stuck in in that uh, same place, don't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I was definitely a saver growing up, always putting money away and saving, but it just wasn't saved in the right way. It wasn't invested. It was just gotcha. saved. Saved. Almost like the mattress saving. Um, yep. All right. So you heard my brief explanation of how I view the client journey, the prospect experience, uh, onboarding new client uh, part of it and the ongoing part. Uh, what is your perspective on this term client journey? What does it consist of? And why have you made this a big focus of the work that you do with your advisors, uh, clients? Yeah, great question. Um, so as you started out and you read the, that piece off of my website, you know, I'm a firm believer in relationships. Uh, I think financial planning is a relationship based and driven um, industry. Uh, you're not going to be successful unless you are building relationships in financial planning. And to me, the client journey is the stages of a relationship between a client and the business. Uh, I see a few different stages there. A lot of them mirror what a romantic relationship would have. So, uh, let's say you go to a coffee shop every Tuesday, Um, which as a business, maybe you're going on LinkedIn every day. 
uh, when you're at your favorite coffee shop, you see someone, they catch your eye. Um, you decide that you're interested. So you start trying to learn more about them. What drink did they order? What books are they reading? Um, you start up a conversation with them. And if you're still interested, then it moves on from there. Uh, you go on a date, you become exclusive, you propose. And a lot of that is the same for business. Each of these steps uh, is a stage of the client journey. Uh, and as you go from one step to the next, we call that a conversion. And a lot of these conversions can be tracked and monitored online. Uh, so for awareness, when you are on social media, I can see how many people are aware of you um, based on the numbers of how many people were reached or how many impressions there were. From there, we're moving into interest and that can be monitored by engagement. How many people are signing up for your newsletter? Uh, how many people are downloading your gated content? Then we move into the inquiry and vetting. You know, they're trying to decide how you fit for them. Um, and here we can be monitoring website traffic, how many meetings you have, uh, how many times you're being Googled, um, and how many times your testimonials are being viewed on your website. Then we move into the onboarding, uh, when they become a new client. Um, let's say you had some welcome videos. We can monitor if those videos are being viewed. Move to client experience, uh, meeting feedback, how many times you're reaching out to them. Are they opening and clicking on your emails? And then lastly, uh, and this one gets overlooked a lot, I think, is the client loyalty, um, bringing in new assets and referring people to you. Obviously, referrals is easily tracked because you're receiving them. Um, some other ways that you can track online would be through how much how much of your content is being shared. Um, and again, that engagement rate are people clicking, commenting, um, leaving a comment. So what you've done really, I, I see, is taken kind of the three categories I've created and really gotten more granular with them. There's yeah multiple steps within the prospecting experience. Uh, you mentioned the term, I want to make sure everybody understands, mm. gated content. Mm. So that's essentially content they can only access if they provide some information to the advisor, right? Like an email yes. address, first exactly. name, things like that. Yeah, and for those listening, uh, it's great to have some gated content. You don't want all of it to be that way, but this is often called a lead magnet. Mm. Just be aware, the more information you ask from this person visiting, the the more people will abandon the process. That's why you see most people ask for a first name and an email address. Those are usually required. And after that, other information, if they ask at all, is usually not required. So I uh, just want to make sure people understood that term. Um, and so a lot of steps to the prospecting journey. And that all can, all can be measured, but even whether using social media or anything else, right? You yeah. Can, you can pay attention to what's happening. And and I guess ultimately you look at the numbers. Is that is that right? I mean, you look at who, how many people make it from step one to step two, how many people abandon, and then you see where the the abandoned points are, the choke points are, uh, and then you you adjust to, to make them more effective. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the content itself, um, you know, it's always surprising when we're looking at metrics to see what topics do the best because they're rarely the ones that we went in thinking we're going to do the best. Interesting. So you think of something that's going to do the best, but can, can you give me an example? 
Yeah. Um, I've got, I've got three that, um, surprised us that I hate to use the term viral because viral would, you know, uh, indicate millions of views, but for an advisor, I consider them to be viral. Um, one of them was depression in retirement. Um, they did a series on that actually that did hit a million views. Um, and then we had another client who did S block, uh, which is securities backline of credit. Uh, and like just out of nowhere, it got a ton of attention. Um, and then the third one was what to shred, like what documents you should shred, which that one's not even directly related to financial planning. Um, so that's what I mean. Like there are topics that you're like, what S block? Like, I didn't think that people would care about this. So I'm, I'm curious about this one depression and retirement and, and how it hit a million. Was this a LinkedIn post or a Facebook post? Where was this uh, posted? It was a series of videos. So it was actually posted Facebook, LinkedIn website, and YouTube. Okay. Um, the million views came from YouTube alone. And that was on the entire series. Wow. Yeah. Now, Ken, uh, and I know you weren't prepared for this question, but did that advisor that got those million views, uh, did some of that turn into business? Was there, other than bragging rights, was there an ROI? (laughs) I know that they did have a couple people reach out to them. Uh, However, they weren't a good fit for what they do. Mm. They prefer to have people come through them through referrals, actually. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why I'm in business, right? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I I would wager that most advisors see the, this concept client journey and the client experience that goes along with it as separate from marketing and client acquisition. Um, You know, you get the client and then you serve the client, but it seems that you believe these aspects and you kind of, both of us have alluded to that a little bit, that, that these aspects of one's business are, are linked uh, one impacts the other. Do I have that right? Can you elaborate on that a yeah. little bit? I mean, absolutely. I would say most of what I do is nurturing the relationships. Um, so when people think of marketing, uh, and this isn't just financial planners, I would say it's small business owners across the board. Think of it this way. Marketing, uh, they are directly tying to uh, leads coming in, but leads is just a fraction of it. Um because there's the awareness point, the interest point, they're going to check you out before they reach out to give you information. Um, And then even after that, after they're a client, what is their experience with you? Um, And then how are you communicating? I kind of consider communication more of marketing. You know, how are you reaching out to your client outside of serving them? Um, Because that's going to impact their experience with you. I see other types of communication that might not be related directly to a transaction with their account or something like that. Exactly. I I gotcha. Uh, So if someone goes to, you know, someone goes to an advisor's website and so there's an impression created with the photograph, perhaps with a headline, but then you want to create interaction, right? That's where that that item that they might download, that checklist, that guide, that sample plan, whatever it might be, and where they pay for it with a first name and an email address, mm-hmm. that's considered a, a level of interaction. Is there a deeper level of interaction? Are we 
Are we looking to hold that person on the website longer? And if so, how, how was that done? Yeah. Um, great questions. I would say there are a few ways. One, mm -hmm. after you get their email address in, um, I see things fail a lot because there's not a process. What happens after you have a lead? A lot of times we talk to advisors who have a long list of leads, but they don't do anything with them. Um, so it's really important to have some sort of plan in place before you start attracting people in. Um, and then after you have that email address, depending what they downloaded, you now know what they're interested in and you can send follow-up emails related to that topic. So for S-Block, you can then follow up about S-Block topics or maybe something that's related but isn't exactly as block um and then yes you want people to be on your website uh generally what we when we're going through metrics with our clients we circle if someone is uh average they're staying on the website for over a minute which i know sounds like really short but if you think about how quickly it takes you to read a web page, you know that that person is invested in the content of the web page. They're reading it. Um, so if they're like two minutes is like really exciting because you're like, okay, they're really invested in what you're talking about. Um, and then you can see which pages are doing the best um, by how many visitors or how long they're staying on each page. So either the advisor or one of their team members or you mm -hmm. uh, needs to pay attention to those things, needs yeah. to look at at the analytics so that, that you then have the follow-up plan. Otherwise, you could be attracting people. They may have some interest, but if you don't reach out, who knows what might happen in between? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I know that you help advisors create content uh, with their websites and how does the the client journey play into this type of work? And maybe you kind of hit on that already, but the connection between the prospect and client journey and content on one's website. I think that both need to be addressed on the website. You need to have a place for your prospects to go and you need to have a place for your clients to go. Um, why would you want your clients to go to your website? Because you want them sharing your content. Um, and that's the website is the one place that you control everything on. Uh, that's why I'm a big advocate of always sending people back to your website. If you're on LinkedIn or Facebook or any other platform, you're going to get inundated with ads. Um, and you can't control the other, uh, content that they're being fed but you can on your website. And I think that's one of the reasons that you should really focus on where people are at uh, and communicating to them for that specific stage of the relationship. Never, I th never thought about it that way. I mean, I know that we own the website. We own that real estate. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't own LinkedIn or the other sites and that could change any, any second and we even lose the options. But right, the, if, if you're sending people to your LinkedIn profile, which is going to happen to some degree or or to anywhere else. Yes, they will see your content, but they're there's they're also going to see other content, aren't they? Yeah. They're going to see potentially competing content or confusing content. But when they come to your website, they only see what you want them to see. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. So yeah, we play in the other areas, but the goal in those other areas is is to drive them to a a, a page or pages on our website. Is that what I'm hearing? Yep. 
Always send them back. I think that's powerful. That's worth the listen here. Everybody listening is, yeah, you play in the other areas. You do your LinkedIn, you do your YouTube if you want, you do whatever you want, but ultimately you want to drive them to the, to your real estate where then you control the experience and it isn't uh, controlled or influenced by uh, the people who own that piece of real estate. Uh, really good. So Callie, in just about 75 seconds, don't start your timer yet. Uh, I want to cover two more important topics. First, I, I want to ask you to share a couple of very specific examples of what financial advisors have done to upgrade their client journeys. You know, what are some tangible, tactical things here? Uh, what is meant? What, what that has meant to their clients and to their practices? And I also want to talk to you about uh, one of my favorite topics, and that is referrals. But first, let's take a brief pause to listen to a word from our sponsor, Pod Rocket Influence Academy, brought to you by Proudmouth. First, they make this podcast possible, and their core business is helping financial advisors like you accelerate their influence through marketing activities like podcasting. This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. If you're like our clients, you want to spend more time educating people and less time selling. That's why we turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. We help you amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit ProudMouth.com to learn more. I need to take about 30 to 45 seconds to let you know that our newest and even better than before Academy for Relationship Marketing is now online and waiting for you to move from help you move from incremental growth to exponential growth by multiplying your right fit clients. When you go to the Academy.com, that's the you'll see four leading edge state-of-the-art courses. Course one's about helping you communicate your value more effectively so that you attract and win more clients. Course two provides you with a very clear path to becoming super referable so you can get more unsolicited referrals. Course three shows you how it truly is possible to be proactive without looking like that creepy referral guy or cheesy referral guy. And course four is about securing that all important connection or introduction to the new prospect. It's so important these days, and that's often where it breaks down. There's a lot I could tell you about the Academy, but I want to get back to our interview. So simply head over to thecatesacademy.com and oh, make sure you use the coupon code TCA200, thecatesacademy, TCA200, and you'll save $200 off your investment because you're a listener of the Top Advisor Podcast. Now back to my conversation with my featured guest, Kali Fedusinku, founder of the Kali Collective. Callie, before we get to some more specific examples that I uh, foreshadowed, first of all, how can our listeners learn more about your services? What's the best way to reach out to you to learn more? Yeah. Uh, so just like we were talking about, go to my website. Uh, <laughs> and that's Callie, K-A-L-L-I, collective.com. CallieCollective.com. It's in the show notes. Uh and I assume that you practice what you preach. So they're going to learn a few things about you and then learn how to do it at the same time, right? Absolutely. We hope, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> what I always hope for. Uh, <laughs> all right. So some specific scam, uh, examples of, uh, you know, what you've done for clients, what they've done uh, to to uh, improve the client journey and, and improve their business. Yeah, I'd say the number one thing that I hear from our clients. Mm -hmm. So nine out of 10 of them. Um, 
give us feedback on the newsletters that we produce. Mm. Uh, so this goes back to that client experience. Uh, personal always gets a lot of attention. Uh, and I think it gets overlooked a lot, which I totally get as a business owner. There's a lot going on. And when you're creating your content, sometimes you don't have the wherewithal to think about, hey, what did I do this weekend? Um, but every time we create a newsletter and we've got personal content in there, the client, uh, our client is always getting feedback from their clients um, about, hey, I saw this. And even when they come in for their meetings, they will bring things up that they saw in the newsletter. I think that's really powerful uh, because you're really just building on that relationship that you already have with them. And so, that so same, oh, go ahead. Um, no, I was going to say, so the advisor to share what he or she is up to in, in life in general, uh, really yeah. bike ride, triathlon, new puppy, uh, the personal stuff. Uh, you know, I, yeah. uh, I, I'd like to get your feedback on this. I had a client, this was a while ago. This is when we did uh, n- uh, paper newsletters. Mm-hmm. This guy, Doug, had a newsletter. And a little section of the newsletter was about him, his family, vacation, pets, ch- kids, things like that. And he decided to replace that with some more information around the economy or the market. Mm. And the first time he set out the newsletter, he started getting all these calls from his clients and they said, Doug, where's that part about your family? It's the only part of your newsletter that we read. Yes. <laughs> so, that's a great example. Yes. That's yeah. what happens all the time. Yeah. Um, we have a client who talks about their dog a lot. And if she doesn't include the dog in a newsletter. She gets calls from clients concerned. Hey, I haven't seen your dog in a while. Interesting. It's amazing. It, you know, you, you wouldn't think it would be that important, but it, you want to build a bit of a business friendship, right? It's yeah. more than, and they like us, trust us. They want to help others. They want to help us. Good. So that's all right. So getting, getting personal. Uh, yeah. What else? Uh, getting personal also with those newsletters is uh, having content that your clients actually care about. Uh, so <laughs> that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a uh, client who told us that he used to use a stock content newsletter and he would send it out mm-hmm. um, monthly, maybe weekly. Uh, and he said he did this for like two years and never had any feedback. Um, and then once he started creating content with us, which was, we make it very custom. You know, we're always asking them about what are you talking to your clients about this month? Uh, what's going on in your office? Uh, what topics are people asking you about? Um, creating the newsletters based off of that feedback. Uh, he says that he would get calls in, you know, the same week that he sent out his newsletter, whereas he didn't have any kind of uh, response prior to that. Um, and that would be, sometimes it would open the door for new assets coming in. Maybe he released a video talking about, um, I'm blanking on a subject, 529s. And so somebody calls and says, Hey, I want to open a 529 or I just watched that video. Um, so I think in that way, those newsletters are very important. Um, some other examples, we've had clients who create uh, a very tailored welcome um, packet. I guess packet would be the right word. They produce a welcome packet for new clients. They're also using that because yes, we have the client journey, but you also have 
that journey with COIs. So they have a PowerPoint and they have, um, you know, something they've printed out that they're giving to their COI uh, and they've really seen um, more feedback and more interaction in those relationships. So taking the same principles of how you interact with your clients, but also pay attention to the COIs in the same fashion. Yes, exactly. Uh, so you talked about personalize the content to you, the advisor, make it personal. But then there's the other part of personalization is delivering content that we know is personally relevant to the people. Yeah, it's funny. I, um, <laughs> As you might imagine, I've been doing this for 30 years and I get a lot of newsletters that uh, advisors send. And I probably, the same day of the same week, I probably get six or seven of the exact same newsletter. Yes. Now, I'm different. Most clients aren't going to get six or seven newsletters in one day that mm -hmm. say the exact thing. But you can just tell that it's been kind of just set and, and let go. And they're not really necessarily paying attention to what's getting delivered. Yes. Um, right? I have what, that exact same experience. In fact, I'm using that in um in upcoming session that I'm doing with the FPA. Um I think stock content has a place uh and if your prospect or client is only interacting with one advisor, it can work, but as soon as you're talking or vetting more than one, you run the risk of looking like sending identical content uh to the same prospects sudden diminishes i think the feeling oh he's just sending what everybody else sends or, mm -hmm. yeah, she or no yeah and let's say that you're working with an advisor and you're unhappy uh so you're looking around and the new advisor sends you the exact same email as your current <laughs> advisor i don't think that will bode well yeah so i just like the one i'm using now okay well i go to him uh <laughs> So you you know that I've devoted the last 30 years or so helping advisors generate more referrals, personal introductions. I'd love to hear what you believe are some of the things advisors can do to make it easier for their clients to refer them. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think uh, talking about it in your content, um, you know, on those newsletters mm -hmm. doesn't even have to be a direct thing. It can even be more of like, hey, do you know someone who this applies to? Would you share it with them? Um, on top of that, having a place on your website, I think if you can make it as easy as possible for someone to refer somebody to you, it's the same thing with the gated content. You want to make it as easy as possible for that person to give you their contact information. Uh, so if you have a place on your website where they can, um, send you a referral really easily, or you have in your emails, hey, reply if you know someone who needs this. Um, or even in the content you're releasing on social media of, hey, we work with this person, type of person, uh, please share it. Um, I think those things are really important to help drive up referrals, as well as, again, going back to custom content and tailoring it for your audience. Because if you are creating content that resonates with them, they're likely going to have friends who are going through the same challenges that they're going to share your content with. Do that all the time. Uh, one one little tip. I don't know whether you do this with your clients, but uh, quite often we use pre-populated email messages. So if we have a something that we think is very shareable, we'll say click here to share this with mm -hmm. others, and it opens up an email 
all populated with a message that could be customized if the advisor wanted to customize it. But, and it just said, Hey, I just subscribed to this, or I just, I just read this article, or I just got this guide from my advisor. And it's really easy to do a pre-populated email and, yeah. and you're just encouraging spreading the word, which is part of the referral culture that you're building mm. within, uh, within your firm. Yeah. My featured guest on today's show has been Kelly Fedosinko, founder of the Cali Collective, K-A-L-L-I collective.com based in Nashville, Tennessee. Kelly, thank you so much for being my featured guest on Top Advisor Podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And thank you to the audience for listening. Yeah. I always say that when I'm giving speeches, I'll walk up, walk, walk up to people and say, hi, I'm your speaker. And hopefully you're the listener today. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully you uh, don't stop listening before I'm done speaking. Uh, to you, the listener of this podcast, may I ask a small favor. If you like this episode or like the podcast in general, please leave a five-star review on the platform you're listening to the show. Not all platforms have a place for reviews, but if yours does, I'd be grateful. Thank you. If you haven't already, head over to thecatesacademy.com. That's thecatesacademy.com. Check out our newest online resource to help you go from incremental growth to exponential growth by multiplying your best clients. And don't forget to use the coupon code TCA200, the Kate's Academy 200, TCA200, and save $200. This is Bill Cates reminding you that ideas do not make you more successful. Only acting on those ideas will bring you the success you desire. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for listening to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I encourage you to visit my website, referralcoach.com, for links to my books, online courses, and to register for the Cates Academy.